this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Last week we were in James chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 and we walked away with this truth that we can trust that God who is the Lord of armies is our defense. He is our defender against the uh, oppressors and he is also the one who strengthens us so that we do not become an oppressor and so we trust in the Lord of armies. This week, as we shift from the oppressor to the oppressed, what we're going to do is we're going to see that we can endure suffering. We, the church of God, you and your family and your friends, with your co-workers, and in the midst of this world, you can endure suffering because the Lord of armies is coming back. And when he comes, he's bringing mercy and wrath. So just to be clear, I believe that the church should drive the conversation we should be the ones who are proclaiming the gospel in the midst of a culture that is lost, dying, and fallen. The, a culture that is broken is full of sin and full of evil. It's full of hate and full of fear. It's full of everything that drives it into a place of despair and destruction. I believe that we are the ones who drive the conversation. If we are the ones that have the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that sin, Satan, and death have been conquered through the cross and through the resurrection, should we not be the ones who are driving the conversation? And if we are the ones who are driving the conversation, then we should not fear a label. And that could be from the outside or from the inside. We should not fear what the world says we are and we should not fear what the people in the church say we are because there are sometimes those who come looking like sheep who are in wolves clothing. In other words, there are people in this room, there are people in this church who will come who look like they're following Jesus and who aren't. And sometimes when you're driving a conversation, people like to call out those people and label them something that they're not. I believe that we as the church are the ones who should proclaim truth. We are the ones who should drive the gospel message into a world that is broken. Look, there is no gospel that does not include freedom for the oppressed. There is no gospel that doesn't include care for the orphans and the widows. There is no gospel that doesn't free and forgive those who are enslaved to sin. There is no gospel that is not also about freedom. So if there is going to be freedom in this world, if there's going to be those who are going to save anybody in this world, would it not be the church who has the message of salvation who should drive the culture to Jesus? So this morning, I want to remind us as we look in James that we are the ones, we are the ones who carry mercy to a lost and dying world. The question this morning has to come around this is if we are going to be the ones who are going to communicate and if we're going to be the ones who are going to have to conflict, we're going to have to engage in some sort of battle. We're going to have to fight about this. The question is, how do we fight? The question is not, will we? Because if we're going to go against sin, Satan, and death, if we're going to fight against the kingdom of darkness, then we're going to have to engage in some way. So how do we engage? This world has many different ways and churches have many different ways. What I want to propose to you today is that we follow the way of Christ, that we do the way that Jesus set out before us. You see, I'm, I'm confident of this. You're going to fight, whether that's with your friends or your children, or your spouses, or your parents, coworkers. 
or that beautiful place, the DMV. <laughs> you are going to fight. And my favorite, this is my favorite, car insurance salesman. By the grace of God, if you are in here and you are a car insurance salesman, I will give you mercy. But if you call me during the day while I'm at work and tell me that my extended warranty is up and that I need to, at this moment, give you my credit card and social security number and you'll take care of all my pain and worry and lead me to Christ, I do not believe you. Um, in all seriousness, if you do uh, work for an insurance company, thank you. Praise God for you. You take care of us when our cars are wrecked. <clears throat> but for those who are from Montana and calling me <clears throat> and are on an automated line and I say, I don't want to talk to you and they never respond to me, um, you are the ones that I want to fight. But the question is, how do we fight? Seriously, how do we fight? We use words, we use actions, we use jobs, we use resources that we may have at our disposal. We use all sorts of different things to fight. Occasionally, someone will use the uh, rolling of their eyes or that glare that you know. Those are your favorite. I know when, when your child rolls their eyes at you, you're like, praise the Lord, this is what childbirth was for. This is why we have kids. So they can roll their eyes at me and tell me I'm wrong. I love it. But you're going to fight, right? Like your kids are going to oppose you. This world's going to oppose you. The culture's going to oppose you. How do we fight? I want to give you three truths as we walk into this. First, we fight for each other. We do not fight against each other. Here's the thing. If we are all in this together, if we are, if we are trying to pursue God, then we are not fighting against each other so that one splits from God and the other pursues God. Instead, we're fighting for one another to push both to God. We must fight for each other, not against each other. We must fight against evil. Write these two things down. We fight for each other. Second, we fight against evil. Fighting is not always physical. The definition of fighting can be physical. It's violent, physical, uh, trying to stop things. But also, a second definition would be this, to use a lot of effort to defeat or achieve something. We fight against evil, but we do it in a different way. So the third thing for you, this third truth, we fight different than the world. We don't fight against one another, we fight for each other. We don't fight uh, for evil, we fight against evil. We cannot fight the way that evil fights. We must fight different. So if Jesus fought in this world, if he strived against sin, Satan, and death, and against darkness, then we must to also fight. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light are going to be in opposition. So the question is, what is the kingdom of darkness bringing? Because we don't want to do what they do. Because if we're going to fight different, we need to learn what they do and not do that. If we fight like the world, we become like the world. And Jesus is the one who said, we are not of this world. So if the definition of fighting is to defeat or achieve something, here's my question to you. What are you trying to defeat and what are you trying to achieve? We know we're all going to fight. We laugh at it, but also there's some serious, real uh, conversations, conflict that you have in your life. So when we, when we fight, we are typically trying to achieve or defeat something. So what if, think about it this way, what if in every conflict you have, what if in every battle, every fight you have, what if instead of trying to defeat the other person, what if you were attempting to defeat yourself? And here's what I mean by that. If the world is full of sin and we bring our sin to the world to fight against it, then all we're doing is making the world more sinful. But if we fight against ourselves, our tendencies and our temptations and our trials, the sin that, that plagues our heart, 
and challenges our emotions and gears our emotions towards something unhealthy, if we can fight against ourselves first, then we can fight for one another. But if we're not fighting against the sin and temptation in our heart, then we're going to bring that sin into the conversation and then fight against the person, fight against the world. And now we're using kingdom of darkness, evil ways to combat. This is not what God has called us to do. What if in every conversation, every conflict we have, what if we are fighting against the devil and not against each other? And by that, I mean this. Are you trying to achieve victory or unity? What is your goal? When we're fighting the world, are you trying to conquer the world? Are you trying to unite the world to the kingdom of God? Is our goal in conflict with our children, with our parents, with our friends, with our spouses to find victory over or to unite towards? What if on a journey we were saying, I'm going to fight against myself and my tendencies and I'm going to fight for you as we go together and we're going to be united as we lead towards Jesus? What if that's the way we should fight? Let's walk through James chapter 5 verse 7. Turn in your Bibles. I hope that you brought them with you today. It will be on the screen. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, which is just a shift. Like, just stop at that moment. You may say, well, it's just words uh, just kind of introducing the thing. No, this is a huge shift. Last week, we, it was introduced, verse 1 was introduced with, Come now, you rich people. It was a condemnation of where they were. They used rich people to, not as a financial thing, but instead as a place of uh, where their heart was. They were oppressing those who could not fight for themselves. They were oppressing them, and so they say, come now, you rich people. Now we shift to James chapter 5, verse 7. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters. So, we, so we've shifted from condemnation and com- confrontation to comfort and care. Therefore, brothers and sisters, my family, those whom I love, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. It says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. This is from the prophets. You'd see it in Deuteronomy, Zechariah, Hosea. They use it to say, like, it's kind of a waiting for the Lord to come. If you've uh, had a garden before, um, I just got my, I got my strawberries in a couple weeks ago. I'm ready to put my tomatoes in because they always say wait till after Mother's Day. Uh, or at least some people have told me that. So I'm about to get my tomatoes in. But I'm the kind of person that when I put the plant in the ground, I'm ready for it to bear fruit. Um, I, I think this may be a patience problem. I'm not sure. But I want to uh, see the fruit of my labor um, within the uh, first few minutes of my labor. And um, I love those juicy red strawberries, but at some points I feel like it might be easier just to go to Boggers and pick up some strawberries. But it says, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. There's something about waiting for what is coming, that we are patient about what is coming. And so it's, it's so cool that what he does in verse 1 and verse 7 are similar. He says, he says to those who are oppressors, to those who are hurting people, he says, he says, weep and wail for the miseries that are about to come upon you. So they're looking for the Lord's coming back, but there's to weep and wail. He shifts in verse 7 and says, be patient. Be comforted. The fruit of your labor is coming. 
when the Lord returns, there's going to be comfort and care for you. He uses the Lord's coming to both show that there's wrath coming and there's mercy coming. So no longer is it this fear, but it's this comfort. So brothers and sisters, if you are in a season of difficulty and struggle, you can trust that the God, the Lord of armies, is coming back. I think one of the toughest things I'm, I've ever watched in my life is family members who are going to endure a lifetime of pain. You may be in your life, you may say, man, I've, I've got a relationship, I've got a, a sickness, I've got a weakness, I've got something that I know for the rest of my life I'm going to endure. I know there's there's family members I have. I know there's people that I know and love and care for deeply who are going to endure for the rest of their life difficulties. I think this passage was written to a people who knew that they were going to face difficult lives. If if they were going to pursue after God, then they were going to face difficulty for the rest of their life. If you are going to be faithful to God, you are going to face difficulties in your life. James 5, verse 8. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. I love that idea of strengthening your hearts because the Lord is coming near. When we trust that the Lord of compassion is coming back and that he is bringing wrath to, uh, to bring back what we need because those who harm us will be destroyed if they are not faithful ones. And for us, we will have mercy. And so we can strengthen our hearts. I think about it like this. When you work out uh, to achieve some physical fitness or when you labor to take a test or to uh, uh, pass some sort of test, you are educating yourself. You are working out to, to be fit. You're doing all these different things to strengthen yourself. How do we as Christians strengthen ourselves? What do we do to get stronger? And he says here, what you're doing is you're looking at something that's coming. Your strength is not in what you have. Your strength is in what he has. For we are weak, but he makes us strong. Our strength is from something else. It's from looking at, all, we don't have to defend ourselves. We, at the end of the day, we are not our defense. We are not our strength. What we're saying is, God, you are our strength. This is the way of Christ. This is what we have chosen in our faith to trust in, that there is a different way, that the way of this world is destruction, death, defeat, sin, and Satan, but the way of Christ is love and life and endurance and faithfulness and obedience. It's different, but it's what God has called us to. So strengthen your hearts because the Lord of armies is coming back and he is our strength. He is our mercy. He is our salvation. He is the wrath that we've longed for against the oppressors. James chapter 5 verse 9 says, brothers and sisters, again that comfort, bringing them in, brothers and sisters, church, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is cool because he doesn't use just any illustration. He uses the prophets and Job, and prophets and Job were not passive. Um, I, I think back in my life, and when I think about fighting, I am a, um, I am passive, and I'm a flight guy. 
So if you push me enough, I flip from that and I'm a fighter and I'm not passive. <laughs> so what I've had to learn in my life is that I'm, I typically, you, will you bring me your mic? Can y'all hear that? I'm sorry. There's something going on with the mic and I'll, I'll, I'll use a handheld. Because I am, I'm somewhat, I'm somewhat ADD. <clears throat> oh, perfect. Check, check. Oh, there we go. Okay. So I'm a passive, I'm kind of passive in flight. I, I've, I've tried to be honest with you. I will try to be an open book with you about who I am. Um, as your pastor, I'm leading you towards Christ, not to me. I'm broken, leading broken people to Christ. So as we all follow after King Jesus, one of the cool things I, I, I know about this is um, as a passive flight kind of guy, I kind of call me like a passive flyer. What I did was <clears throat> I would go and I would take those emotions and then just like, this is super healthy. So if you have a degree in this, I would suppress them deep, deep, deep down. And I would never think about them. And if you can just tuck them far enough back and never bring them forward, then you don't have to deal with them. And since I'm a flight guy and passive guy, I would just take all that anger, take all that frustration, just pack it in real tight. And by the grace of God, he gave me a wonderful wife who has taught me. She's taught me how to engage in conflict in a healthy manner, how to fight in the right way, a way that would fight for her and that she would fight for me, in a way that we could grow towards unity towards Christ, not away from each other. We've talked about this often over the past year, and what I can think about is I'm constantly, and you are constantly in an effort to overcome the difficulties, the trials and temptations that are in your life. When Job and the prophets engaged conflict, they were not passive. That's a, that's, there's a key there. He uses somebody as an example of how to fight who did not back down. So we have to be clear here. This, what, what it means to engage in conflict is not to to just be weak and passive, but to be strong in what we've been told to do. You see, if our strength is from the Lord, who is the Lord of armies, and Jesus showed strength by enduring the cross, then our strength isn't from overcoming uh, and by fighting and by physical force, but instead there's something else. Job and something the prophets can teach us here. I think about Daniel. I think about a guy who did not fight with uh, with, with his fist, but somebody who sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed and didn't give in. He didn't become disobedient to God. He wasn't afraid of what this, the most powerful nation and the most powerful man in the world could do to him. He wasn't afraid. He was not passive. And he didn't get out of the way, fight. He fought, but he fought differently. He fought with obedience. He fought with character. He fought by praising God consistently and not backing down. He fought by letting God be his strength. When all else, they, everyone else thought that he was going to die, he fought not by physical force, but by trusting in God. Now, let's be clear if you've ever heard me speak on, uh, preach from the word of God on um, uh, caring for the oppressed, there's a time, there's a place to defend. Um, scripture gives us that time and place. But there's a consistent way that we, con we have conflict with those who are trying to come against us. There's a consistent way that we engage that. And if they're bringing uh, death, 
destruction, disease, hurt against us, then we must be bringing life, forgiveness, freedom towards them. That's the consistent way that we approach our oppressors, those people who are against the people of God. It's so different than what we see in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, right? They're taking advantage of the workers. They're not paying the worker what they're due. They're they're, uh, hurting. They're murdering, it says. There's just this destruction. In James chapter 3 and 4, we see it. Why do you murder? Why do you, why do you quarrel? Why do you have these fights among you? Why is this going on? Even within the church, why, is it, why do you let these things take place? You see, we, we have to be careful that, it, jump back to verse 9. It says, brothers and sisters, again, that care, do not complain about one another. You have to be careful here that you don't, disrupt the one the thing that God has given you to strengthen you the church it's like this there's so much in the world that is against you why would we be against each other within here we need each other for strength we need each other to encourage one another but oftentimes we find each other complaining about one another we find dissension and division inside of the church rather than strengthening and encouraging if the one thing that we have to preach is the gospel Let's fight about that. If you want to tell me Jesus isn't God, I'll fight you on that. But I don't care what you wear. I don't care what you smell like. I want to encourage you. I want to walk with you. I want to smell what you smell. I want to see what you see. I want to endure what you endure. I want to know you. At least those who God has given me to disciple. I want to be with them. And I want you to want to be with others around you. Look around you. This is the church. With COVID-19, you might not even recognize half the people that are in this room. And with a growing church, that's what happens sometimes. But this is our strength that God has given us. This is the church. This is our encouragement. Do not complain about one another. We're here to strengthen. We're here to encourage. So like Job and like the prophets, we must stand strong. We must endure. We must not conflict with one another. We must engage with this world in the way that Christ has given us. James chapter 5, verse 12, and he sums up like this. He says, above all, which is just interesting that it's right here because he's made some awesome points, like mercy triumphs over judgment. Like, I feel like that's like a above all moment. Like, above all, mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, that's like awesome. Um, there's, there's some other kind of like key moments where he's like, your faith is dead. All you do is say you believe in God, but you don't show it. And there's a lost and dying world out there, like live out your faith. That's an above all moment. But he, but he says, James five twelve. he says, above all, my brothers and sisters, that comfort, come on in, do not swear. Either by heaven or by earth or with any uh, other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. This is like very similar to Matthew 5, 34 through 37, when Jesus says it. So we know that the author's in close contact with Jesus. And you think in your mind, okay, why would he say above all, let's not, let's not waver in what we've promised? And I think it's this. Because when he says endurance, when he says endure suffering, and when he says be faithful in all these moments, when he's like, don't become the oppressor, but instead um, just endure through these seasons, like take this pain, like, man, some of you, you're going to go through such tough seasons that hearing you're going to go through it is almost like worse. 
He's like, look, you need to stick in it. You need to stick with it. You need to endure through it. Like that's so hard to hear. And sometimes you can't change other people. Sometimes you can't stick in it. Sometimes, but you have to be faithful. So here's, the, here's what it looks like. COVID-19 created some difficulties. Did you believe in Jesus before it? And do you believe in Jesus after it? And during it, have you said yes and no and stuck with it? I think it looks like faithfulness through and through. I think it looks like faithfulness today and faithfulness tomorrow and faithfulness forever. It looks like long obedience in the same direction as one guy says and another guy says. Discipleship is pursuit of Jesus forever. It's an eternal pursuit. Chasing eternity is what he says. What if today you said yes and tomorrow you said? What if if today you were faithful and tomorrow you were faithful? What if when the USA goes through turmoil, it didn't hinder your faith? That's what it looks like to say yes today and yes tomorrow. Because I'm the same today and the same tomorrow, no matter what happens around me. I'm the same whether it's a kind person asking me if I believe, and I'm the same if it's an evil person asking me if I believe. I'm the same if we're facing destruction in our world, if you're a Christian, and I'm the same if it's easy to be a Christian. We're a Christian. We believe. When you face division in your family, when you face division and dissension among your friends, are you sticking to your faith or are you abandoning your faith? When we face the things of this world, we fight back not with fists, but with patience, willingness to suffer, suffer compassion towards evil, grace towards those who are undeserving. This is the radical nature of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what makes us different than the world. I've said this often and I'll say it again. We are different because we extend love when others extend hate. It's how we fight. And so I'll ask you this morning, how are you fighting in this world? I know, I'm confident of this. If you have any moral conscience, you see evil in this world, right? The question is not, do you see it? The question is, how, is you, how are you fighting against it? Because I know you want to fight. I hope you want to fight. I want a, a, a bunch of soldiers in here who want to fight. But the question is, how do we fight? And I can give you these promises from this text. Our wrath cannot compare to God's wrath. Our wrath is nothing in comparison to the eternal wrath of God. It's why he says, be patient. It's why he says, come now rich, because you should weep and mourn because of the miseries that are coming upon you. But it's also why he says that we can be patient because we can wait because the Lord is redeeming us. The Lord is bringing grace and mercy to us. Our wrath cannot compare to God's wrath. And so you can know that you don't have to be the one who has the end all be all of wrath. You don't have to be the one that solves everything in this world. You don't have to be the one that can fight with conflict and destroy and find victory. Our God is the victorious one. It's so freeing to know that no matter how much destruction, no matter how evil this world becomes, there is a God who will conquer all evil. Like rest, rest hearts, rest minds. America is not the first nation to reject God. Rest your hearts, for your God is coming back. My brothers and sisters, if the greatest wrath you can muster up on this world cannot conquer America, rest. 
cannot conquer the sins and the destruction that we see around us. Rest. Fear God is coming back. And the second thing is this. Our salvation cannot compare to God's salvation. Oh, man, y'all. I got to pause for a moment. I'm going to get canceled. And I'm not joking. They actually do take down our videos. I don't want you to conquer America. I want you to conquer the sins of America. Overcome them. Okay? So Facebook, leave that up. That's a joke. But it's serious. They take down our videos. So please don't take that one down. Um... But if they do, we'll record it and give it to you another way. Um, our second, our salvation cannot compare to God's salvation. This is just truth. Like, you may think that you can save people. You may think that you can deliver people. But there's nothing we have. There's no salvation we have that is as great as God's salvation. There's nothing that you can do to save this world. Do you believe? Uh, no, seriously, like seriously, do you believe that there is nothing you can do to save this world? Because this is a huge moment because either you're God or he's God. Either he's the savior or you're the savior. There's nothing you can do to save this world. There is only us pointing people to the savior. There's only us working that people would look to the savior. He is the only one you can save and maybe he will choose us as fit to be used as a part of his salvation. So brothers and sisters, our salvation is coming. Wrath is coming. But we are not salvation and wrath. He is. So look to him. And the third thing, we fight with wisdom and truth. So I asked you, what do we fight with? Remember this, the world is going to fight with evil they're going to lie. It should not be a surprise when the leaders of our nation lie. It should not be a surprise when leaders in your family unit lie. It should not be a surprise when business owners who you work with lie. It shouldn't be a surprise when people cheat and steal and kill and destroy. It's what the world does. But we don't fight back in the same way that we once did, in the same way that those who are overcome with evil do. We fight different. And here's the key. Look, we don't fight with life. We don't fight. We don't fight to bring life. Because here's, here's, here's an important point. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life. He's the truth. He's the way. The only truth we have is that he's the truth. The only truth that we have is that he's the life. The only uh, truth that we have is that he's the way. And the only way that we can lead people to Jesus is by telling them that he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing you can do. There's no salvation you can offer outside of Jesus Christ. And so our wisdom and truth is that Jesus is the life, the truth, and the way. So the problem is sometimes what we try to do is we try to take up that and we kind of try to lead people to us. We try to lead people to like our building that's called a church. We try to lead people to like this sort of political faction or this sort of agreement of stances or this, whatever. You're trying to lead people all these different ways. And I'm like, wait a minute, who is the wisdom and the truth and the life? Who is he? Is it Jesus? Come on, church, who is he? If he's Jesus, 
It changes everything. It changes how we speak. It changes how we act. It changes how we work. It changes how we love. It changes how we live. It changes how we parent. It changes how we become friends. It changes how we, what we do is our business. It changes where we spend our money. It changes everything, and it changes how we fight in a culture that is fighting us. So I hope that as you walk away this morning, you can remember that we can endure suffering because the Lord of armies is coming back with mercy and wrath. You can be patient today. You can wait because the Lord is coming. The world can still fall into destruction. America can dissolve. It's going to be okay. And that can get me in hot water. It's okay. It's okay because Jesus is coming back. And if he's not, then go out there and fight and try and try and try and try. But if he is, let him be our strength. Let him be our words. Let him be our actions. Let him tell us what to do with our money, with our time, with our jobs, our careers, with our family. Let him. So I've got three gospel steps for you. First, bless your enemy in one way this week. Like that's just a super practical way that you can live this out. Bless somebody that you've considered an enemy for a long time. There may be somebody in your family. There may be some friend. I know that somebody's in your mind right now. He may be a car salesman. Somebody in your mind right now has been your enemy. How can you bless them in one way today? Second, study how to engage conflict in a biblical way. This is hilarious. I get this conversation quite often, and so if you've ever had this conversation with me, I'm sorry. Extend me some grace, but I'm going to use you as an example right now. I get people that sometimes will say, man, I just, I want to preach the Bible to the world because I think that we're engaged. We have this problem and issue in this world and I want to address it. I want to come against it and I want to preach against it, Matt. And I'm like, praise God, let's do it. Like I'm with you. Remember to live in love, do with grace, but I'm with you. And I'm like, okay, what are you dealing with? What's going on in this culture? Okay, well, this is the issue. And I'm like, okay, what did the Bible say about it? And they'll tell me what they said about it. I'm like, where does it say that in the Bible? And they're like, I don't know, some preacher told me. And I'm like, that preacher was wrong. <laughs> and, and again, sift everything I say through the word of God, right? Like you are the theologians. You study the word of God. I'm just preaching it to the best of my abilities. I fell short, I fail, okay? I don't think I'm perfect. You sift what I say through the word of God. It is our lens always, not me. I am not the one who gives you the word of God. God is. The Holy Spirit's the one who teaches you. So my brothers and sisters, study how to engage conflict in a biblical way. If you don't know the Word of God, don't tell people what the Word of God is because you don't know it. And I promise you this, it is worse for you to act like you know the Word of God than it is to be silent and wait and listen. Because to say that you're preaching the Word of God when you're not is a lie and is evil and it's something that Pastor Glenn, myself, and Pastor Bill have taken upon ourselves and we're going to be held higher in accountability for it and so will you when you preach the word of God in this culture. So be careful what you say. Study how to engage conflict in a biblical way. If you're not engaging this world in a biblical way, learn how to do it. Stop, pause, reflect, wait, meditate, and learn how to do it. Third, live with an eternal perspective. We've got to shift from a me-centered world to a God-centered world where it's not all about me. I'm fighting against myself and the desires of my flesh and letting my God control and use 
use me in whatever way he sees fit. Because when we let ourselves dictate what we do, we lead to some good ruin, right? We are really good at making mistakes. We got to shift from bearing the weight of stopping oppressors to trusting that God is going to do it and just let me be a part of it. What is my part in this, God? And third, we get to shift from attempting to save ourselves to trusting that God will save us. Man, how good is it to know that it is not your responsibility to save this world, that though it is lost and broken and dying, you are not the one who's going to save it. Amen? There is a God who is willing and able and did and is going to and is working in us to bring it about. So this morning, how do you fight? As the band comes, we're going to sing one more song. And I I just want to ask you to reflect on this. And if you would, let's just take a moment to just reflect. I want you just to think as they come forward. Would you just close your eyes if you're willing? Uh, If you're joining with us online, would you just close your eyes this moment and just think? Try to pause and just ask yourself. Have I wanted to find victory? I want you to ask this. Have I wanted to find victory over the world and over people? Or have I wanted to help them find unity with me? unity as I pursue after Jesus? Have you wanted to defeat or unite? Have you wanted to conquer your own sins or just conquer others? What has been your goal in fighting? As you reflect on this, I want to encourage you to do this in this moment. Ask yourself what God did with you. Did he destroy you? Did he find victory over you? Or did he bring you and draw you into the kingdom of God? With mercy and grace, forgiveness and freedom, he drew you into life. Would you think on these things? Would you pray about how God is using you to engage this culture? Maybe you need to go through a season of study. Maybe you need to go into a season of forgiveness and repentance. Maybe you're prepared and ready and you need to be speaking, but you're too scared to speak up. Remember this, he's coming back and he's got wrath and mercy. Father, we trust you. We believe that you are the one who holds all things in your hands, that the earth is a footstool to you. You are over all things and you can conquer and will conquer all evil in this world. I pray God that you see your servant, and your church is something that can be fruitful. It can produce fruit. God, use us to produce fruit after enduring, after suffering, after perseverance, after enduring every trial and bringing about maturity and completeness, as James 1 says, God, would you bring us to a place where you can use us for your glory? Father, we trust you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.
Amen. Father, we believe that we are sent in the midst of darkness to light it up. Would you strengthen our hearts? Would you help us to fight for the oppressed, fight against ourselves, bring freedom and forgiveness to the oppressors that they might find you? God, would you help us to be a people that are sent? God, would you get us out of our seats? Would you get us out of our comfort zone? Would you help us to bring comfort to those who are struggling? I pray, Father, that you would mobilize some people today. I pray, Father, you would strengthen some who are going to endure a life of pain and difficulty. Would you help us fix our eyes on you? We love you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.